Welcome everyone to the Newly Podcast this Thursday morning, where you get practical, no BS insights on how to grow yourself and grow your career. On this episode today, we are talking to Leslie Bennett. Welcome, Leslie. Um, Thank you. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, first and foremost, thank you for having me. Very excited for this conversation as we were sort of going back and forth and prep. I could like feel myself getting excited to, to chat with you about these topics. Um, so yes, I am Leslie Vanetz. I'm the founder of Sales Team Builder, my own sales consulting company. Um, we specialize in coaching, training, consulting for 10 million plus uh, revenue sales teams that really want to figure out like both the skill sets and the repeatable processes to get outbound motions done properly in ways that our buyers uh, don't hate. And prior to leaving corporate to double down on my own business, I spent 15 years in B2B sales, have made tens of thousands of cold calls, have been ahead of sales three times, have sold just about everything um, intangible that that you can. Uh, and it's, yeah, brought, brought me here. Fantastic. Well, let's talk a little bit about sort of A to B, how you got to where you're at in your career. Just give us like a very brief synopsis. You already kind of told us a little bit, but um, how did you end up where you're at? Yeah. So I um, I started sales, I think how like almost all people start sales, which is accidentally. You know, unbeknownst to me, I was really setting myself up for a successful career in sales because I was, um, you know, like a speech and debate nerd, a model United Nations nerd. And I say nerd in a very, very loving way, um, you know, all through all through high school, all through college and was in student government, like did the whole thing, Britta. Yeah. And yeah. I, I didn't at the time realize how much I was practicing my rhetoric skills how much I was practicing those like curiosity and empathy and relationship building skills. Uh, and then I, I graduated, I'm a native Montana. so graduated, moved to Chicago without a job because I guess yeah, at the time not? I thought that that was an acceptable thing to do in why retrospect. Not? I'm like, why Leslie? I'm actually like very funny sidebar, but I feel like you allowed me to have this small town gym. Because I know that you are like a bit of a type A personality as well. Yes. So the way I actually made the decision to move to Chicago was I created a huge Excel document mm-hmm. and I put every city over 250,000 residents in the US as well as some international cities on it. And I wanted to move to a big city, but like, mind you, in my Montana mind, like 250,000 was like huge. Um, <laughs> so I put that on, on one of the axes and on the top, I put everything that was important to me and then I gave them point values based on how important they were. And I you went are so and I amazing. This is everything. such a good idea. And Chicago literally had the most points. So I like sold my car, sold off all the possessions I couldn't carry with me, moved here without a job, like di- did it. Uh, but the first job I got was a sales job. And I okay. didn't take it because I wanted to be in sales. I, I took it because it was a business intelligence company. And I thought I wanted to be in marketing. Mm. I got my college degree in marketing. We all know how well using your college degree and your real life <laughs> job goes. Um, but in my head, I, I was like, you know, I'll take this job. I'll prove myself. And then I'll have like a, you know, cross, cross departmental transfer. And within a couple of weeks, I 
like so fully realized that sales was something that I had a knack for in like a, a really deep and meaningful way. Um, and it's been my career ever since. That is so cool. I, I love that story mostly because, well, the Excel document <laughs> sings to my heart, you know, um, but I love that you took a chance. I love that you sort of found your way to a career almost by accident, but that you found that, you know, skills, I think it's like Steve Jobs says, like, you can only connect the dots going backwards, that you were mm -hmm. developing these skills in your career or in your life that kind of contributed to your career. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, because I know you have a different way of looking at things. I wanted to talk a little bit about gatekeeping that happens because I have a lot of friends, myself included, um, where I was really stuck in the service industry and and I didn't see myself in corporate spheres and you know we don't need to talk about my story but um, I remember every time I would read a job description even biz you know biz dev stuff is fairly straightforward but even when I would read those job descriptions I'd be like what the f does this even mean like I don't I still don't understand what the qualifications are like if if you're thinking about applying for a job and you're reading job descriptions or I mean, just talk a little bit about gatekeeping and, and how that how that works and what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, gatekeeping happens on, on so many levels. And I think that like your story is a story of the people. Right. Like it, mm -hmm. it is a really relatable story because we as women don't often see ourselves in these types of roles. Like I only mm -hmm. left corporate a, a year ago to, to double down and, and, you know, be a full-time founder. And people are like, well, what, like, why didn't you become an entrepreneur sooner? And I was like, well, I never saw myself as an entrepreneur Two 2%, both according to PitchBook and Crunchbase, 2% of the founders that got funding last year were women. No, percent. Um, 10%, if you include founders that were part of a founding team where one of the members was a man. Wow. So it's like, okay, we're not seeing ourselves there. We're not seeing ourselves in sales, especially sales leadership. When you get up to C sales leadership, single digits for women. So yeah. we're, we're not seeing ourselves in the roles, in the positions that that we should be aspiring to be in, that we should be in, right? So I think mm -hmm. that like that in and of itself is a form of gatekeeping. And the, the sort of knock on effect, whether intentional or not, is that often the way the job adverts are written is okay. using a lot of insider language, which mm -hmm. drives me nuts. It's something I do. And it just, it like, I catch myself and then I'll be like, like KPI. And then I'm like, key performance indicator. Like, don't <laughs> assume that everybody knows all of this, like crazy internal, internal language. And I think like the, the language is one piece of the gatekeeping. And I personally, Britta, I really feel like it's done um, to like make us feel special. People are like, oh, you know, it's like a time saver. And I'm like, is, is it? <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, I think, I think like all the lingo and all the acronyms are are one form of gatekeeping. Very closely related to that are like truly ridiculous expectations mm. for jobs. Like entry level SDR role must have two years experience at 
SaaS companies selling to VPs of sales. And you're like, well, like full stop, that's not an entry level role. And also yeah. like, what, what, like, yeah. if like where would I? <laughs> right. And like, if you're telling me that your product is so complicated that to be able to set a meeting, I need to have two years of experience selling a similar product to your ICP. Like that's either a totally false barrier yeah. or it's a you, it's a you problem. Like you are creating that gate. You are creating that, that false barrier to entry. Um, I, I definitely want to talk about like how it impacts women specifically, but I feel like one other example is the four year degree for entry level six for any sales job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. what? I mean, right? Like I have one and college was amazing, but college was a privilege. Mm-hmm. Like call it, call it college was a privilege for me. It was a privilege because I was able to stay in state and in-state college in Montana is dirt cheap. <laughs> yeah. It was a like it was a privilege for me because my first year of college my parents paid for. So I had like a year of time to like transition and get my feet under me before I had to take on that, that burden. Mm-hmm. It was a privilege because I got to stay in college for six years. Cause that's how long it took for me to be able to work full time and, and fin- finish my credits. But I didn't have caretaking responsibility, right? Like there's yeah, so many layers of privilege inherent in getting that four year degree. Absolutely. And I fail on almost all accounts to see how having a four-year degree directly translates into your ability to be an inside sales rep or an AE or an SDR or whatever the role is. Yeah, absolutely. I I love, so there's a couple of things that I love. One, first of all, if, you're, if your product is so complicated that people need a lot of experience to sell it, probably not a great product like that's probably not going to bode well for you in the in the marketplace first um but i i love what you talked about when you said that you know if someone needs two years of experience to be able to sell anything that you have you know what is the point of even having like an, an sdr position it shouldn't even be an sdr position it should be just a straight biz dev position if it's that complicated and and two, the other thing I really, really liked about what you said about the four-year degree is I think most of the people that I've met that are probably the most talented salespeople have little to no experience in the sale, in the, a traditional sales role. You know, it's the people that have had these more relationship development style, um, either, you know, careers or, or experiences. And a lot of people I know don't have any experience in higher ed and they become phenomenal salespeople. Yeah. Um, so yeah. do you have any experience with that? Say more about that. Yeah. Um, some of my favorite people to hire, like when we look at it through the lens of a four-year degree, I do not hire based on the degree. I like hiring people out of like um, the, like theater programs. Ooh, interesting. Incredible. That's like an incredible, like there's a really uh, popular theater conservatory in Chicago at DePaul. Mm -hmm. Some of the best salespeople I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or folks that took on leadership roles, like they were like, uh, you know, the, the vice president of their sorority. 
So like they had like they had access to that type of stuff because they were in college. But it's like I don't care about the college degree. I care about like the fact that you felt called to take on a leadership role. Yeah, I'm so curious. Like like, even like being like you wanted to be. I'm not really a sports person, but the person on the the team that's the like the captain, the team captain. captain, Is that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, throw the football through. The goalpost, um, yes, like the captain. So I would, I would look for not actually the four-year degree. I would prioritize the experiences. To your point, those yeah. lived experiences that I thought would translate well to sales. Um, and and you can get those in high school. You can get those with non-traditional degrees. You can get those by maybe having to take some time off and get right to work. Or yeah. like, there are so many ways to have those types of lived experiences that generate the skill sets that I see, it sounds like we agree on this, that like most often translate to a, to a successful sales career. Yeah. I'm, I'm so curious. How did you discover, because those are just such pointed examples of like really specific places that you look for, you know, sales talent. How did you discover that? Like what, what, what are the traits that you tend to find in from those specific uh, areas? Yeah. Curiosity is a big one. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I find that curiosity is a huge one. Um, and like well, well before I knew what the star methodology was, which is like situation, task, action, result, yeah. uh, I would do that. Like those were the types of questions I was just intuitively asking in interviews because I really wanted examples of yeah. like, tell me a time that you were confronted with a problem that you didn't have the solution to. Like, how did you get there? Yeah. To, to see what, like how their brain works. Did they ask for help? Did they not ask for help? Did they immediately go to Google? Did they read a book? Did they just not figure it out? Or did they delegate it to somebody? Like, what, how, how does your brain work? And then like indexing on people that um, are curious and are problem solvers. That's a big one. Um, leadership skills for me, which doesn't necessarily mean you have to, you know, be that like captain or the sorority president or, or whatever, but, um, you know, like being in the PTA or being on a nonprofit board or like, you know, whatever, whatever it is, like yeah. those opportunities where it, it shows both initiative and passion. Mm. I think are big ones, okay. but like, honestly, a a lot of it, and I am no expert on hiring. I have made plenty of bad hires. So like, take it all with a grain of salt. <laughs> after 15 years of hiring sales professionals, um, I have found the most success over-indexing on soft skills like empathy, curiosity, understanding, initiative, passion, and focusing less on somebody that comes in being like, well, I have 10 years of experience selling because you just naturally tend to get more of the like, I know it all personalities Mm -hmm. if you focus too much on a CV. And I prefer to have more of the like learn it all mindset on my team. I like that. And two, sometimes if someone has 10 years of experience, you know, sales 10 years ago is not what sales is today. And you don't want to have to unteach bad habits. So that makes so much sense. Um, So you said curiosity, leadership skills, 
um you passion passion yeah big one empathy is a big one like like all things that that make you want to understand like understand Mm -hmm. people and what you're selling and how it helps in the world around you like people that seek to understand maybe is that I should write that down. People you should. You should. <laughs> oh, write it down. Yeah. That's so, yeah. It's so interesting to me too that that you're finding this talent in non-traditional places. And, and I wish more employers would really look in non-traditional places. So if the employers aren't going to look, um, what would you tell someone who's in a, who has a very non-traditional career path, maybe is a bartender right now and is just sick of it or is, you know, doing some entry level something and they're sick of it and they have thought about sales, but don't know if they, if they qualify or if they could do it. Yeah. Um, find a community. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would say that's, that's the first thing. Um, cause it doesn't matter if it's sales or some other profession, like, it's it's just really hard to apply for jobs and get them. Yes, <laughs> like hundred oh percent. Like regardless of background, regardless of industry, um, being able to leverage a community, being able to leverage a network, it it makes a huge difference. So if you want to break into sales, the number one thing, the number one place to start is joining communities. There's plenty of free communities that we have, like. Sales Enablement Collective and Rev Genius and Sales Hacker. Um, and then I would say if you are a woman trying to break in, definitely make sure that you are specifically adding communities like Women in Sales Club or women, you know, ones that are, are women specific. So you're going you're gonna to need that extra level of support. It's worth it, but you're going to need it. <laughs> I mean, talking of which, don't you have, you have a really cool book, book club, don't you? Talking about community. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it's, not a, it's not a woman in sales thing. It's okay. like a... Um, anybody in business, but, you know, speaking of people that seek to understand like that, that's what I really wanted to root the book club in was like that, that type of person that is just insatiably curious, that wants to learn more and understand learn it all personality. Um, and so the books are less sales focused and much more focused on just kind of like overall business acumen. Um, like we have a Seth Godin book, we have Stephen Covey, a Brene Brown, uh, a Kim Scott, you know, so it's like, just how do you become a better person Mm. and a a stronger business um, professional? But yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking. I'm very excited. I love, love to read. Um, So finding a way to like, do that with people makes it, I think, extra special and I, I feel like something our our entire world uh sometimes falls victim to and I'm no exception. I'm very addicted to TikTok. I have to set myself a timer, but it's like that mentality of seeing like something that somebody built or some like a recipe that somebody made and saving the video and getting that quick dopamine rush that tricks your brain into thinking you've actually done something. And I think that happens a lot with reading as well that you're like oh, I'm going to read and I order the book or I like read the synopsis of it or maybe I even read the book, but then I don't like discuss it. I don't apply it. I don't iterate on it. So totally. Totally. Um, yeah. I feel like I get so much more out. It's almost like it's a, a built-in accountability structure for totally. applying the learnings um, when I'm you know reading with a book club or reading with other people. So yeah, that is so cool. I love that. What is your favorite book that you've read so far with this with this group of people? 
Um, my favorite business book that literally everybody should read, like finish listening to this and then go order it from <laughs> your local or independent bookstore. Thank you very much. Oh, um, you. Is yeah. the challenger customer. And I said, customer, Ooh. not sale. Sale is okay. one it's whatever. It's a classic. The challenger customer, in my very humble opinion, is so much better. Uh, it's so yeah. good. So that for sure. Um, and then Never Split the Difference by Chris Fox, I think is like a new age classic. It's just, oh my God. So good. So good. good book. So good. I feel um, like any human should read that book. It's just, an, it's incredible. Totally. And that's like, that's the goal, right? Is like, people are like sales. I'm like, man, like, no, whatever you're doing, you're in sales. Like if yeah. you're in a business, you're in sales. If you are in like, you know, any corporate profession, you're selling ideas or you're trying to sell like a, you know, a project internally. Like I think everybody can benefit from a lot of the concepts that we practice as a craft, but that can be applied to totally. know, yeah, broader life. Well, this has been such an incredible conversation. I feel like the time is literally just like flown by. Like <laughs> Zooming by. But I have, I have one more. I have one more. Yes, fun please, fact. Please, That's please, not a please. fun fact. Um, for folks that are trying to break into sales, because I even found this as somebody in sales that was then trying to break into tech sales, um, have somebody that is in tech sales, preferably a hiring manager in tech sales or sales, look at your resume and talk you through it because mm -hmm. you will be like, especially like people coming out of the hospitality space and like teachers, the, the volume of transferable skills is wild Insane. but like back to that very first point we made about like gatekeeping and terminology and acronyms you simply don't know the naming of things right so, like if you are trying to make that transition you don't yet have the knowledge to name the skill sets you have but i promise you like you have incredible skill sets that are directly yeah. transferable to sales so really get get somebody that can help you put the right names on the things that you already are exceptional at. I mean, teachers talk about a challenging customer, convincing a fourth grader to do anything, let alone like 30 fourth graders. That's, that's amazing. Magical. If you can keep the attention of like 30 fourth graders, you can absolutely command an executive presence in a boardroom presentation. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me. I usually have two rapid fire questions I like to, to you know, just ask everyone. Uh, the first one is, what is the worst career advice you've ever gotten? Oof, God, there's been so, so much <laughs> of it, Britta. You're like, there's hard, too many to count. Hard, hard to say. Um, there should be a trigger warning before that question. Um, <laughs> You know, I think the worst career advice I ever got, and I actually, I got it from somebody I really respect and who, who, who was an advocate for me, um, but was still a white dude. And he was like, you need to dial it back because you come off really abrasive in meetings. Oh, wow. And it was literally just for me acting the same way as everybody else in the meeting, right? Yeah. Um, but I was I was really, I was young. I was in my early 20s. I was super impressionable. And at the time it hit me like a, you know, like a ton of bricks. And I was like, oh man, I guess I like, you know, I really need to not be myself. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, my heart just sinks hearing that. Like yeah. I just, it just feels bad to hear about my, oh. Yeah. yeah. And like he didn't even realize that he was giving me such bad advice. Like he genuinely yeah. thought he was trying to, to help me and give me good advice by telling me to not be myself because it rubbed my male colleagues the wrong way. I feel like we could have a whole nother, you and I could have a whole nother show about like, cause we didn't even touch the angle of gatekeeping on for females in you know, mm -hmm. sales and in corporate careers. So if you yeah. want You're right. Like that's a whole nother thing. Like hit yeah. that apply button ladies. Like exactly. Men do it. If they have even 60% of the bullet points chopped, we should do it too. So when I, when in doubt, hit the apply button. Thank you. I love that. I love that. Okay. So the last rapid fire question is what is the most, maybe we could take this angle for you. What is the most random thing that you have had to sell? The most random thing? Um, I have been extraordinarily blessed to always sell products that I like deeply, deeply believe in. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so I, I mean, the organizations may have been imperfect, but like, the products were amazing. So I've never had to sell anything super random, except maybe in interviews when some, <laughs> some ill-informed manager is like, sell me this pen. Oh, like, I, I hate fact, that. I in fact will not, and I can already tell that this isn't the right culture for me. Yeah. Have a yeah. good day. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> That's so great. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I would love to have you back to talk more about, you know, the female angle. If, you know, if you, I know you're super busy. If you have No, time. it sounds like a must. It sounds like a cool. must. We have so much more to talk about. And uh, as, you know, as you know, giving back, particularly helping folks break into tech sales, but to particularly help helping women break in to a profession that can fundamentally change their lives that can bridge okay. generational wealth gaps. Uh, if that isn't something we're spending time on, what is? Right. Yes. I love it. Well, thank you so much. We'll see you later.